Hey, tonight it's Friday Night Prophecy here on the West Coast Gospel Hour as we are going over the news events of the week and how they relate to Bible prophecy. That's next here on Fig Tree Watchers. So stay tuned. Hey, there is an incredible thing going on in the world today and uh, God is victorious. So be ready because it is going to be an interesting discussion he's coming on the clouds that's right he is writing jesus is coming back and we can see the events and how they relate worldwide to everything that is going on and you're probably looking at things going wow i i can't believe what we're seeing in the world today and uh it is just amazing it is just amazing so Keep your eyes out. Listen to what the Spirit is telling you. Uh, look forward to what God is revealing to you because it is important uh, that you pay attention. Remember what it says in the book of Revelation to the churches. To him who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. This is interesting. We're not supposed to listen to the church. We're supposed to listen to what the Spirit is saying to the churches. This is uh, kind of an amazing thing that, that we need to pay attention to. Um, and this is one of those things that is contrary uh, in a lot of church theologies, which is dangerous. We need to listen to what the Holy Spirit is saying to the churches, how the Holy Spirit is guiding us with wisdom and knowledge and understanding in these times. Because Jesus warned us, don't be deceived. Don't be deceived. It's so important. So important to understand. Hey, uh, real quick as I'm waiting for Io to join us, uh, I just want to share a couple of things with you all. Um, number one, uh, it just seems like things are piling on. I appreciate your prayers. I'm really needing them. Uh, today, uh, my uncle passed, and uh, this is a, a, a devastating loss for our family. Um, it is good that he went home. To be with the Lord. He was a godly man. Uh, but I am telling you, I am in deep mourning. Uh, there was not a, a better uncle that I could have ever asked for um, than my uncle Derek. And um, he and my aunt constantly demonstrated what it meant to follow Jesus. And so tonight I'm, I'm having a, a tough time with that. And so with everything else that's going on, uh, you keep me in your prayers. Uh, it just seems like a lot of things are happening out there. Hey, Brother Ayo. Hey, brother. Hey, guys. Glad to be back on after being gone last weekend. Everyone's yeah, it was, it was tough uh, doing this without you. It really was. Um, you say that, but I listen to Playback. He always says that, guys. But when I listen to Playback, I'm just always late. What are you talking about? It was, it was fine. It was great. I'm humbled by that. I am. I am deeply humbled by that because I, I you know, I, I am so blessed to, I tell you, I'm so blessed to know you because when I read your stuff and I, I look at it, you know, in the comments that I see people leave and, and things I hear people tell me, um, it, it's exciting because I think that, that the Lord has really gifted you with spiritual wisdom in understanding and deciphering the word of god and i think that that's fantastic and i i think that is 
the more and more I think that as I'm going through this time, that's what I'm desperately asking God to do to um, give me wisdom and understanding as I'm going through this, as I'm meditating on things and, yeah. and as I'm going through this struggle right now um, physically and, uh, um, and with all the other circumstances with my mom being very sick and my uncle dying and uh, it's, it's been really tough. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And, you know, as, as you're saying all that, we just encourage, you know, everyone listening here to definitely keep Brother Stefani prayer, keep keep uh, me in prayer, keep people in the chat in prayer because we all have, you know, different things we're going through. So that's what the body of Christ is for, right? To come together, to encourage each other in prayer, um, to walk alongside each other when we have these burdens. So definitely be keeping Brother Stefani and his family in prayer. We'll do so uh, before we start as well. We'll pray for you and the family. So. Amen. Amen. That is, that is a good thing. And uh, so why don't you lead us in prayer? Yeah, sure. Uh, Father, we just thank you for another week, Lord. Uh, we just thank you for your strength that you've given us to get through another week. Uh, many of us is going through so much in this life. Uh, it just seems like the whole world is crumbling uh, down around us. It seems like things are just piling on. It seems like one thing after another for some of us, Lord. But we know that through it all, you've given us strength to go through it. Uh, we just pray for Brother Stefan and his family as they go through loss of their uh, beloved uncle lord we know that he's with you so we can rejoice for that we also know that there's a time of mourning so i just pray that you come alongside this family as they grieve uh this loss of their uncle uh a fa a beloved family member lord that you just strengthen their faith during this time that you encourage them and remind them that we are one day going to be reunited with loved ones who have gone uh to be with the lord early uh, we just pray for everybody who's listening to this who may be suffering through uh, different losses, whether it's loss of family, relationship, uh, financial loss, health, whatever it may be, Lord, we just ask for your healing hand upon us. We ask for uh, your strength, your grace through these trialing, uh, through these tough times. We pray that you use Brother Stefan and I tonight, Lord, to encourage fellow believers of what's to come. We know that these things that we experience isn't going to last forever. It's only for this time. Paul calls these sufferings a momentary affliction compared to the glory that's going to be revealed to us. So we just pray, Lord, that tonight we, we re, uh, that you remind us through your word of the glory that's to come, that Jesus Christ is coming for us, that these things are only a momentary affliction, Lord. So we just ask that this is an encouragement to us, and they use us to also share the gospel, plant seeds of the gospel in the hearts of those who may be listening to this and not yet uh, trust in your son, Lord. So we pray all this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. 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 Well, uh, tonight is uh, we got a lot to discuss, um, and I think we should get right to the to the the big gun of the night, which is the um, Roe versus Wade. Um, yes, we need to talk about that. I and and and, and by the way, I want to say one thing on this. Yeah. Do not rest on your laurels, okay? And, and what that is, what I am saying here is, this is a trap, I think, from Satan for everyone to go. Okay, we won. Woo! Let's go. We can rest now. No, we can't because you still have California and New York passing some of the most vile um, pro-abortion stuff that will go down. And there, look, we know that there was election fraud that had took place. They're going to do this. And, and notice what they're doing now. They are absolutely utilizing violence because they didn't get their way. This is right out of the playbook of George Soros. This is what the S the the brown shirts did for Hitler as he got into power. Whenever they would lose something, the brown shirts would go violent. This is an SS tactic. This is a Nazi tactic. 
And that's exactly what they're doing. This is right out of the Nazi playbook. If you don't get your way, you do violence, right? And you, you hurt people until you get your way. And we need to be ready for that as Christians. We, we need to understand that. And I'm gonna, I wanna make that adamantly clear out there that this is not a time to rest. This is a time, we don't have time to rest anymore as Christians. There's no more sitting on the back of your hands and, and getting over it. If, if you can't physically do something, you do what I'm doing. I'm doing a lot of praying. I'm doing a lot of crying out to God. Um, I'm, I'm, you know, doing the things that I can do in my walk. Sometimes you just need to pray. And, um, but you're still out there sharing the faith, you know. Uh, I, I was running an errand the other day, and I just want to say this real quick. Running an errand the other day um, to get the, go to the grocery store. And right in front of me, a guy gets hit on his motorcycle by a truck. The pickup truck hits him so hard that the bumper falls off the pickup truck and the license plate, and the truck takes off. He doesn't even stop. doesn't even care. And the guy is laid out in the middle of the street, busy street, uh, you know, four lanes. And in the middle lane, there was a fifth lane in the middle, which is your turning lane, laid out right there with his ankle completely, you know, bleeding and, and broken for sure. Um, and head injury and face injury and, and everything else. And I stopped the truck, I got out and, and it was, somebody else came running across the street and somebody else there. And, and I had my first aid kit and I just was praying for the guy. Um, and, you know, I didn't know his name, I didn't know who he was, but we stopped, we help as Christians. Today, the idea is be selfish, don't help. Don't get involved. Well, that's not what a Christian does. We are a light in the darkness. And we need to remember that as whatever's going on right now, to be the light in the darkness and not just rejoice at what happened with Roe versus Wade, but also remember that there are people that are going to be hurting. And this is a chance to articulate the gospel message of hope and love during this time because there is now rage and the only way you're going to stop rage is with love for love conquers all. Yeah. Yeah. And that's important to understand. I think is um, that just because this is past, it doesn't mean abortion just magically goes away. Right. And I think that people need to understand that. I think a lot of people, well, some people understand that hopefully, but I think a lot of people, at least on the other side, they're like, for some reason, they're very angry because they believe that, you know, this ruling, you know, makes abortion go away but it doesn't that's not what it does um just gives a decision back to the states to make to make their own call on it which we're already seeing just like we've been saying with california with new york and, and other states but it is something to, to celebrate something to you know thank the lord for and just like you're saying though the fight isn't over we still have to pray for people to enter office who are you know pro-life who do believe that human life has value do believe that no, people are made in god's image um, we have to support pregnancy centers, uh, women who are pregnant, who are thinking again abortion. We have to, you know, love them and, and steer, try to steer them towards um, decision for life. And we do know that, you know, these leftist groups are saying that, hey, once this goes down, there gets us going to be a night of rage and things like that, just like you've been saying. So, which is unfortunate. So we also have to pray for the judges who are have, literally having their lives threatened. We have to pray for and help out those abortion centers, or not abortion, but uh, pregnancy centers who have been attacked over the past few weeks since the thing, since the decision was leaked, right? So we have to just think about these things. 
uh, in the wake of this decision. Yeah, and, and, and by the way, it's not just the buildings that are being burned down. They're costing people, and some people have actually died in California. People have actually uh, been killed. Um, and you're not hearing this as a hate crime. Um, and and that's, a, that's a really bad thing. Yeah. It should actually be classified as, like, domestic terrorism. Because that's yeah. essentially what it is. You're using, you're literally using violence to sway someone politically, which is the definition of terrorism. Well, it's, it's interesting because the Jane's group, which is, I believe their name, that is the, yeah, the violent group here, they're not even on the terrorist watch list. In fact, if you look them up, they're not even mentioned by the FBI as a, as a, as a group of concern. Mm -hmm. So here they've stated, we will use violence. We yeah. will kill people. They've t told you that. They've said, we're responsible for burning down buildings. So we know they've killed people. We know they've used violence. They, we know that they've burned down buildings. And yet the FBI because the FBI is now 100% corrupt and political, um, they refuse to do anything about this group because it's not in their political expediency. Yeah. Expediency, sorry. Yeah, yeah. so it's just sad. But I mean, again, we just want to start with this good news because you know it's, it's, it's the biggest thing uh, today. So, and just like Brother Stefan said, there's another segue too to share the gospel because yes the bible does it doesn't you know agree with the taking of human life innocent human life um but what's great is that if we do repent of those things if you have gotten abortion or know someone who have if you come to the lord with that repent of that he will forgive you there's grace there that's what the gospel is about so we also want to make that clear as well for those who might have experienced that in their life or you know had that kind of history amen yeah amen. well what, what else do you have for us today yeah, um, I'm just, let's see, I'm, I want to get into the Middle East, but I think I'll start with um, more broad world news, because there's a lot of stuff going on in Israel, the Middle East, so we'll, we'll save that for a little bit later. Um, but something that I think we should be looking at right now is the monkeypox. Uh, I mean, a few weeks ago, we talked about it, we were like, hey, this is a thing, you know, we talked about how last year they planned a tabletop exercise for a, coincidentally, a monkeypox pandemic. And now a year later, oh, what do we have here? A monkeypox outbreak. Now, so now, by the way, let's remind yeah. everyone, we talked about this quite a bit long time ago, okay, mm -hmm. before this was even a pandemic, that this was something that they had created an imaginary illness. Remember, they, they, the who did? Imaginary illness. They created an imaginary scenario and to deal with an imaginary pandemic. And it turned out the name of it was monkeypox. And what do you know? This imaginary non-existent illness comes into play. I mean, Io, is Bill Gates a prophet? <laughs> I mean, he's just he's just looking out for our best interest. Right? He's been saying coming up in the news, being like, "Hey, just give me another pandemic, and you'll you'll you know you'll see this one. You'll pay attention to this one." So he's now, you, by the way, when you say he's looking that. out for a best interest, yeah, you're he's saying that sarcastically. Of course, of course. He's a great guy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, but yeah, just as you've said, I mean, there, I, don't, I don't think there's a coincidence at all, right? Because people will say, oh, it's conspiracy theory. It's like it's literally they're just showing us and they've been warning us about what they're planning to do. Uh, so now AP News, this is from June 23rd. So just like, what, two days ago, maybe a day ago for you guys. It's the 25th for me now because it's past 12 a.m. This article from AP News, deadline is WHO, that's the World Health Organization, considers declaring monkeypox a global health emergency, aka a pandemic, just like COVID. And don't forget, we're still in 
a, a pandemic right now. COVID hasn't gone away. Um, so the article says the World Health Organization convenes its emergency committee Thursday to consider, again, that's Thursday this week, this is a recent article, to consider if the spiraling outbreak of monkeypox warrants being declared a global emergency. Declaring monkeypox to be a global emergency would mean the UN Health Agency considers the outbreak to be an extraordinary event and that the disease is at risk of spreading across even more borders, possibly requiring a global response. It would also give monkeypox, listen to this, it would also give monkeypox the same distinction as the COVID-19 pandemic. Now, what does that mean? That means that everything we've been experiencing with COVID for the past two years, if they declare monkeypox as a pandemic with the same status as COVID, <laughs> we're going back <laughs> through the same spin cycle. We're going to be experiencing exactly the same thing. They're going to be using it as a power grab. They're going to be saying, oh my gosh, we have to create a world and world government to make sure we don't experience any more pandemics. It's going to be the same exact thing. They're just going to be moving the goalposts further and further along to achieve their agenda. So, I mean, I'm not saying it's going to happen, but we've, it, it, we've called this out like a few weeks ago, right? That it might possibly head here. And now we're getting to that point where it literally might head there in like the next few days, they could declare it as pandemic. Okay. So let me ask you a question. In 2020, um, we had the COVID pandemic breakout, right? Yep. And then we had the violence breakout across the country. And that was to change the election from Trump to Biden, right? I believe so, yeah. So now we're in another election cycle. And coincidentally enough, we have another pandemic and another round of violence coming. I wasn't even thinking about that. Yeah, I mean, again, they could use it for whatever, Jim. Because just like you're saying, with COVID came out, they're like, hey, we don't want COVID to spread. You know, if you pass, you can touch things and COVID might spread that way. So let's do mail-in ballots and... And we, we know we know what happened with that. So yeah, anything this can be used for anything, right? And they're also pushing the climate change agenda on this as well, saying that due to climate change, we're having more pandemics. So it's it can be used for anything really. So we've got a similar situation in 2020, an election year. Same same thing. We're just two years away. Um, same cycle. I mean, but a major congressional thing. Ballot ballots, absentee ballots. I mean, remember, we were in lockdown by March 15th in this country of 2020. Mm -hmm. And that was, you know, as, as everyone is going into the, to the heat of the election campaign and then Biden became president. So they're going to do the same thing again right now. And as you mentioned, it, we're just days away from a worldwide um, pandemic on monkeypox. Yeah. Um, and really, by the way, one of the best ways to avoid monkeypox is not to have sex, right? Outside America. Yeah. Well, yeah, because what we were saying, and this might sound like a joke for you guys, but in the beginning of this outbreak, they were saying that the sources of it, uh, most of the sources at least, was from like gay pride events and gay people literally, you know, having sex with each other, things like that. And then people would use them like, hey, you know, you can't be big in this and that. And they're like, hey, we're not saying, you know, this. So, it was its own little thing, but that's literally part of the spread, close contact with people um, who have it. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. All right. Just want to make sure that I, I had my information correct. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That is, that is very correct. So, yep, that's on the horizon. We'll see what happens with that. But I don't, I don't even know if uh, any time in recent recorded human history that there's been like two declared global pandemics at the same time. I mean, maybe, but that, that would be crazy. But yeah, we'll see what happens. Uh, in other news, though, uh, from the Gateway Pundit, has inflation skyrockets and markets collapse? 
Uh, Fed Chair Jerome Powell says Fed is examining U.S. central bank digital currency. So we know, I think it was like uh, April or March of this year, we know that the Biden administration basically released a statement saying that, hey, you know, we're going to regulate cryptocurrency. And now we're going to start looking into more so uh, a U.S. digital dollar. Um, so that's been in the works. Now the Fed of, um, uh, of, of um, what is it, what do we call it? Finances, Fed Chair Jerome Powell, he's basically looking at inflation and he's saying that, hey, the, the answer to our inflation woes is central bank digital currency, right? And which is funny because these same people a year ago when they're printing money and doing all these things and people are saying that, hey, the more you print out money, you're going to lead to runaway inflation. They're like, oh, no, there's not going to be any inflation. That's not going to happen. And then inflation starts to be a thing. They're like, it's only transitory, though. It's only transitory. It's going to go away. And now that we're in this crisis, they're saying that, well, uh, I guess digital currency is the answer, right? So the article says rapid changes are taking place in the global monetary system that may affect the international role of the dollar. So that's, that's Jerome Powell saying this. So a U.S. central bank digital currency is being examined to help the U.S. dollar's international standing. So now they're making this argument that, hey, uh, due to this inflation, due to this global crisis that we're having, the U.S. dollar is kind of going down. We can't have that happen. We need to maintain our status. So a U.S. digital currency can help us maintain our status, right? So that's, that's what the narrative is now. And we've talked a bunch about central bank digital currencies uh, we've said that we believe that this could be something that would um, be part of the mark to be system because you can't have cash flowing in the economy and be able to track people financially. That's what central bank digital currency does. It can track everything, right? But if you have cash, people can make purchases that can't be tracked. So we have to see this transition going from cash to a digital system. And now they're mainstreaming it. They're saying that's needed. It's necessary. It's going to help us. It's going to be great. Um, so you shouldn't be surprised about that. Okay, so let, let's talk, while we're talking about economics, let's talk about the other side of the coin, the other side of the world. Um, what is going on economically with Russia right now? Because this is really big news, and I, I think we need to discuss it from, from it. Um, CNN reported on this. Um, the, the Telegraph reported on this. The Washington Post reported on this. Uh, and that is that, Russia is facing deadlines on bond payments and could soon default on major debt. Now, that is because they can't make the payments on the bonds that they issued. Mm -hmm. And why is this defaulting a serious thing? Because one of the two of the major blows that has hit Russia economically in the last couple of weeks, number one, Israel making the deal with uh, Egypt and Jordan and Syria, which I just found out about this. We've got to know yeah. Syria was involved in it, um, and Lebanon to supply natural gas to Europe. So basically what's happening is it's Israel's natural gas. They're taking the label off made in Israel and they're, they're putting it made in Egypt, you know, and they're going instead of straight through Lebanon into Europe, they're going from Egypt to Jordan to Syria to Lebanon <laughs> so that nobody can yell at Israel. Right. Now, we don't want your gas. It's made in Israel. It, it, it's just a, it's just a smoke and mirrors game. But what it's doing is it's making them pay more for it. However, they're still undercutting Russia. OK. And they're eliminating the need for Russian natural gas. So mm -hmm. pay attention. This is a big deal. 
This is a major economic blow because it's for the next 50 years and it frees the European Union from being beholden to Russia. It, it takes away the, the blackmail that Russia used during the winter time. Hey, don't support us, speak against us and we'll cut off your natural gas and millions of you are gonna die during the winter time. Well, now they don't have that, that problem. But the other blow, which was really big, is to Russia's only warm water port uh, by Belarus, which is supplied through a railway that goes through Lithuania. And in order for Lithuania to get their independence and even to join NATO, they had to make an agreement that they would allow uh, not uh, production, but goods and services to come through that railway into the Russian court because that was the only access to it. Lithuania said, you know what? We don't like what you're doing with Ukraine and you're shipping too many weapons. So we're cutting it down to 50%. This is a major economic hit, okay? It would be like if we boycotted California and said, you can only 20% of goods and services are coming into California, right? It would just be devastating to, to California. So it, it, it's in, in that extreme of a measurement. When you say 50%, because it is a major, major population hub for Europe, uh, for the Russians, uh, specifically because it's their territory. They literally, at the, in 1945, removed all the German citizens out of there because it was German territory, part of Prussia. And they put all Russians in there. And so this is devastating. This is where they have nuclear missiles uh, there. They have uh, a major nuclear facility there. It's, it's huge. And so this so angered Russia that they called it a siege. And basically by calling it a siege, they were saying, we're, we probably are going to go to war over this. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's true. And it was interesting because Cody's making some interesting points as well that, that aren't really being brought up by mainstream news is that the ruble has been going up, right? It's been hitting all-time highs. Um, you know, once the invasion started in Ukraine, it dipped suddenly sharply, you know, the, the stock markets and everything in Russia tanked, and then it just skyrocketed back up. <laughs> so, which is interesting because all the pundits and everybody's saying, oh, this is going to be over for Russia and everything like that. But now they're just, their economies, they're, at least the ruble, is really strong but like you've been saying they are hitting these oppositions and we've been talking about this thing with um israel being a supplier of gas to the eu to european nations which will cut off the need to go to russia right which is a huge export of gas or supplier of gas to these nations and this has been a possible scenario that believers just like bruce and i who study about prophecy have been thinking about was a possibility for years now that this possibly could happen leading to um why god why russia could possibly have an incentive to invade israel right and we know the invaders are for spoil but part of that could be due to um you know their finances being cut off because israel has now cut them off from being that supplier of gas so that's what we're seeing now and just to kind of um speak more about that why net news reported this too uh, EU envoy says Israel can replace Russian gas supply. EU ambassador to Israel, Dmitry uh, Dmitry uh, Sanchev, says Israel is well positioned to replace Russia as a supplier of natural gas to Europe. He says Israel can be an important alternative source of energy. We not only speak about gas, but about an innovative source of electricity, new energy. This is a cooperation that would be important for the region. 
Um, so they're just saying that, hey, Israel can just replace Russia. And, you know, with everything going on recently, we've been seeing since the, uh, since the invasion of Ukraine, the tension between Russia and Israel has been growing. The escalation has been growing. The relationship is being, you know, really tested here. So well, I'm just, I've just been waiting to see what Russia is going to say concerning this. And I think in the weeks and months ahead, once this um, deal starts going from being signed to actually being put in place and actually being realized in real life, Russia's gonna Russia's gonna start retaliating and saying stuff. So, so I yeah. think that that's gonna happen. Yeah, and I, I want to answer uh, Cody's question. Yes, Cody, I'm talking about Kaliningrad in um, in that warm water port in Russia. Yes, that's the name of the the city that would be supplying. Um, so yes, that is what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, figures Cody would know the name off it. I, as I was talking about it, my brain was not. I was trying to remember the, the name of the city, and I, I kept on wanting to say Stalingrad, but it's Kaliningrad. Thank you, Cody. Yeah. So just set up for a uh, further set up for Zico 38, guys. That invasion that's going to happen in the last days. We're, we're still seeing that ramp up here. Um, another article here concerning the Abraham Accords. This is from Jewish Insider. This relates to uh, growing relations, possible growing relations with Israel and Saudi Arabia. Uh, Barbara Leaf hints at Abraham Accords expansion surrounding Biden's Israel-Saudi Arabia trip. So Barbara Leaf, the Assistant Secretary of State for Near Eastern Affairs, hinted on Wednesday that there may be developments relating to expanding the Abraham Accords during President Joe Biden's upcoming visit to the Middle East. So Joe Biden will be in the Middle East soon. And there's speculation that, hey, they might be trying to get Saudi Arabia as part of the uh, Abraham Accords, which we've been talking about for, for years now. Uh, the article says, we are working in a space that is not in the public domain with a couple of other countries that do not have pre-existing relationships with Israel. I think you'll see some interesting things around the time of the president's visit. As they say that, there's another article here. Uh, Israel National News report Biden working on roadmap for Saudi Arabia, Israel normalization. And why that's so important, guys, we talk about it and bring it up so often is because we know that there are going to be some nations that invade Israel, but there's going to be some nations that protest against it. Shabbat Didan is one of those people groups, is one of those nations. And that's, that's Shabbat Didan is the modern day region or modern day nation of Saudi Arabia. So for Sheba Dinan and these other nations to protest, they have to be on good terms with Israel. And we're seeing that increase right now. That now we're saying that, hey, normalization is, it's been speculated, right? That eventually they're going to normalize, but now we're, we're getting closer and closer that, hey, it's like right around the corner. They're almost there. They're going to normalize with Israel. So that will be uh, very amazing. And it'll just be further set up again for Ezekiel 38. That, that groundwork is being laid for what Ezekiel's right prophesied over 2,000, you know, 600 years ago. Now, this is interesting also because, remember, it was Biden who basically blasted Trump mm-hmm. and said we should have no relationship whatsoever with Saudi Arabia, even calling for sanctions to be imposed on Saudi Arabia, um, calling for uh, the Saudi, Saudi Arabian government to be overthrown. Um, I, I mean, it was, it was crazy. Right, what, what, what Biden did. Uh, you wouldn't do that. It, it, it's insane for a country to do that to another country because what it was he was calling for was basically like an invasion of Saudi Arabia. But Trump, being the cooler head, did things through negotiations and actually used what happened as a bargaining chip to accomplish greater things in the Middle East. He was able to push Saudi Arabia to encourage other countries to come to the table through that bargaining chip instead of you know 
declaring Saudi Arabia an enemy of state, you know? Um, and I think that that was really, really important and wise, right? A wise person can use grace and use the offense as a bargaining chip, right? Uh, and say, look, I'll, I'll look past this, but you got to help me turn these other enemies into friends. And that's exactly what Saudi Arabia did um, and at the help of, of Trump. Now Biden's got to look with all this egg on his face. He's got to go to Saudi Arabia and grovel before the king. And I promise you, I, I guarantee it, he's going to bow before this king. That'll be interesting scene to see. Uh, but just like you were saying, there has been this turnaround with uh, with Biden and with the Biden administration where they have been very aggressive towards Saudi Arabia um, and things like this. And, they, you know, they're going to have a tough stance against Saudi Arabia. Now we're going to them for oil. Saudi Arabia is, is the one actually breaking ties, breaking off ties with us. They're trying to do things with China. They don't really want to fix fix themselves with the petrol dollar anymore due to um, oil and everything going on with oil globally. So we're starting to see the tables turn where Saudi Arabia is having to leverage over the U.S. And the U.S. is, strangely enough, having to go to Saudi Arabia for things, for oil, for negotiations. And now, you know, um, even though they didn't like Trump and everything like that, um, this, the Biden administration still liked this Abraham Accords. They still wanted to expand it. Now they're working with Saudi Arabia, who, again, just like you said, they're trying to sanction all these things. They're trying to get them closer aligned with Israel, which is very interesting. And it just goes to show, just like Daniel 2 says, that uh, God raises up kings, he sets down kings, ultimately for his purposes, right? So he's using Joe Biden for his purposes, just as much as he used Trump for his purposes. And that's how we're seeing all of this setup happening right now um, with the global governing system, with America, you know, being taken down several levels, and with the U.S., or with the Middle East, sorry, and the Abraham Accords and everything. And one more prophecy I think we need to pay attention to is the one where God tells Israel, look, you will bless the surrounding nations around you. This major part of that fulfillment is that this gas agreement, this natural gas agreement is going to bring wealth to Egypt. It's going to bring wealth to Jordan. It's going to bring wealth to Lebanon. And, and Lebanon is, is, has really become anti-Israel lately. I mean, a, a lot. They used to be a little bit closer than they are. Now they're much farther apart. But this is going to make them wealthy. So even as enemies, they're becoming wealthier. And uh, I think that there's, there's a blessing on Egypt. There's going to be a blessing on, on Jordan for the most part. But I think you're going to see the, the problem is the antagonism of Lebanon is going to – this is, this is going to drive – the Russians um, and I think even the Turks to invade uh, Lebanon. Um, because one of the things you see in the Ezekiel 38 prophecy is there's no mention of Lebanon. No mention of it's, Lebanon. they come from the north. Mm -hmm. And so we need to pay attention to that. Um, if Lebanon doesn't change their behavior, the consequences is irrelevancy, just as Syria is not mentioned yeah. in the Ezekiel 38 passage either. Yep. Yeah. It's going to be, they're going to become irrelevant. Yeah. Yeah, and it's just crazy because I think it was like, what, Beirut and Lebanon used to be considered like the Paris of the Middle East at one point. Right. But now, dude says Bola being in there, as well as like really entrenched itself in the Lebanese government, um, their finances, their financial government and uh, finances of the country and everything is just like, it's crazy. It's 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 really sad the conditions that people in Lebanon are living under due to the Hezbollah and their government and everything. So, and part of the antagonism of Lebanon is due to Hezbollah. And we've seen the articles, you know, these past few months 
about how, you know, Iran and, and Hamas are saying, oh, man, we could band together with Iran and Hezbollah and Lebanon and attack, you know, Israel on all fronts and everything. So they've been spouting this rhetoric. And just like you said, you know, there is a curse and a, a blessing for those who bless Israel. Or if you curse Israel, you will be cursed. So it yeah. is an interesting fact to note that Lebanon isn't part of the Ezekiel 38 coalition. So I, I want to give one more thing to think about about this. In the 1970s, if you visited Israel, it was common knowledge, don't drink the water, right? It, the water was kind of, it wasn't the best. It wasn't the greatest. But if you went into Lebanon, and this was before um, the bombing and, and a lot of before the conflict happened in, in, in Beirut, um, if you went into Lebanon when it was still really beautiful country and everything, and it was very peaceful, the water was clean. You could drink the water in Lebanon. In fact, you could go into the waterways, people tell me, and in the ocean, you would look down, you, the water was, the, even the, the seawater was crystal clean, right? Now it's the opposite. Now Israel has all the clean water and Lebanon uh, has polluted water. In fact, uh, people tell me that, that off of Tripoli, the, the water there, uh, not Tripoli, I mean, uh, off of Beirut, the waterways around there, that it's completely dirty. Even the ocean water is polluted. And this is so sad to see because this is part of that where God is judging the nations. Um, and it's not at our speed, right? It's not what as human beings, what we want to see happen, but it's what God is doing in his speed. Why? Because he wants everyone to come to repentance and he doesn't want anyone to perish. He wants everyone to know the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. And so it's slow and methodical in God's eyes. Um, in our eyes, it's, it's, it's just a, it's time, you know, but time is irrelevant to God. Yeah. Um, Cody makes, uh, he says something interesting. He makes a good point. I might be incorrect, but isn't Lebanon's land mass originally in land promised Israel? Yeah, that is actually correct. Portion of it. Portion of yeah. it. Up to Tyre. Portion? I feel like it's like the entire thing. Um, either way, I think some of it, at least some of it is. Um, you'd have to go back to Genesis like 15-ish. I forgot where it is. Um, but I know in the scriptures in the Old Testament, God promises Abraham, you know, land, actual physical land. It's not allegory, as the post, as the post um, millennial people say. Um, but you'll have to look up if you look up a map of like you just Google it, you know, all the land promise of Israel, or whatever. You'll see all this space. Um, basically, God tells Abraham that it will give them land from the Euphrates River to the river of Egypt. So that land composes like parts of Lebanon. I think like all of Syria or parts of Syria, Iraq, and just like maybe all of Jordan or parts of Jordan, just lar large, large, large landmasses um, that exist today from other countries. Israel's going to get all of that during the millennial reign. So all these people like, oh, two-state solution and Israel has too much land. Oh, you don't want to be there in the millennium because they're going to get even more land. Um, so that's definitely coming up. Yeah, it goes all the way up to Tyre. In fact, it's interesting. I'm going to share this with you. Um, when, from the moment of Jesus' birth, from the time he was two years of age, Jesus actually went to every part of that millennial reign territory. When he was two years of age, they went into Egypt. He went into the land that was part of the millennial reign. He literally walked, Jesus did, through his ministry from the time he was two, he walked the, all of his millennial reign territory that will be his. From Tyre, he visited Tyre. If you look at the mm -hmm. scripture, Jesus went up to Tyre. Uh, he went um, on the other side of the Jordan River, baptized people. He would, covered all that territory. 
and it's pretty interesting that, that Jesus went and, and basically marked out through his ministry and through his childhood, the territory that would be his in the millennial reign. Something to look, interesting to look into for sure. Um, next up here, still Israel, still the Middle East. Uh, the election things going on, the disruption of the government in the Middle East, or rather in Israel, you've been talking about this as well for a long time. Um, it's kind of been news that's been circulating along with like, you know, the terrorist attacks going on in Israel, that's kind of died down recently. Um, the threats from Iran, Hezbollah and Hamas, uh, that's kind of been simmering down recently. But still, what's kind of grown is this election issue, this government issue uh, in Israel, where they're going back to another round of elections. And some of you guys might not remember, but it was about like two, three years ago, if you guys remember, when Israel would have an election, there would be nobody to, you know, be decided the new prime minister, and they'll go through another round of elections, and then another round of elections. And it was like a year or a year and a half of that cycle. Everybody's just like, what is going on? Um, now they're basically getting back to that cycle after just a year of this new government, just a year. So the Jerusalem Post, Israel heading to elections, Knesset to disband, Lapid to become prime minister. So Israel is headed to heading to its fifth election in three and a half years after Prime Minister Naftali Bennett, alternate Prime Minister Yari, Yaril, Yaril Lapid, give up Monday on their efforts to stabilize the coalition. In a joint statement, Bennett and Lapid said they would bring a bill to dissolve the Knesset to a vote next Monday. There's going to be another round of elections on October 25th this year. According to the coalition agreement, Lapid will become caretaker prime minister until the election and until the new government takes power. He is set to greet U.S. President Joe Biden when he comes to Israel next month. So how they got into this situation, guys, is because there was a lady, I forgot what um, party she was part of, but she essentially left um, Naftali Bennett's coalition and they didn't have a majority anymore. So they, it was like 60 seats they had. And their enemy, their opponents have like 60 seats to have a majority. I think you have to have at least 61. So that means that they're basically at a deadlock. That if there was like a new legislation that came through this government, they would basically need some members, some parties of the opposing coalition to come to their side, which won't happen, right? So eventually, over time, I believe more people started leaving, uh, which basically dwindled uh, their majority that they have. And now the government in Israel is just unstable. They can't keep it up. So now they have to dissolve it. They made their own arrangements that dissolve it. And they're going to new elections. And why we're even talking about this, why this is important is because Israel right now, during this time, they're weak, right? They're weak from their enemies. Their enemies can attack them easily. They're weak internally. They can't come to decisions and, and, and just make quick decisions. So it's not a good place for Israel to be going forward. And they're also in this mindset of, you know what, just give us peace, just give us stability. We just need this to be over. We just need some type of leader we can trust. So it's a very interesting position that Israel is in right now. And we'll see where this goes um, as the year continues. Yeah, and this is important because Israel's been facing some, you know, serious issues like within Turkey in which Iran tried to assassinate the former ambassador there in a, in a, a huge uh, meeting of businessmen in, in Turkey. Um, and they just within seconds stopped the assassination of, of these individuals. Uh, it would have been a bloody uh, day in, in the hotel in, in Turkey there. Um, and so it, literally the Mossad got them out seconds before uh, the, the, the Iranian hired assassination squad of, of 10 people came in. And the Turkish 
government was able to come in with their people and arrest them on the spot. So nobody had a loss of life. Uh, they were able to get them out of the country, get them on the plane, get them, get them back to Israel. But this is a, a serious thing that, uh, that is happening. And it's because of a lot of the anti-Semitism that is coming out there. I mean, um, we saw this week that um, this, what the appeals court held up in the United States, a law that Arkansas has that says, if you're going to be a contractor with the Arkansas state, you cannot boycott uh, or support BDS movement against Israel. That means boycott Israel. And um, the BDS movement were very upset about this, but it, it's a good law. It's kind of like saying you can't be a racist, you know? Yeah. We, we won't, if you want to be a contractor with the state of Arkansas, you can't be a racist, you know? Mm -hmm. You can't hate people. And uh, so this, the, the court, it was an easy law and the court upheld it. It was a smart law. Yeah. Um, it doesn't violate freedom of speech. You're just saying, look, you just can't be a, an evil person, you know, mm -hmm. and um, it makes sense. Um, other areas, though, we have a lot of other people where we have this world church religion. The, the, the head of it just came out and he's very anti-Israel. And so we're watching the world religions become anti-Israel while the people of God are to pray for the peace of Israel. Yeah. And I think that that's real important. The true church is made up of people who follow Jesus. Not a denomination, not a religion, not a pastor, not a pope. We follow Jesus. And by following Jesus, we pray for Israel. We love Israel. We love all people. We pray for them. We pray for redemption. We're ambassadors of reconciliation. And that's so important. Yeah. Yeah, that is important. Um, it's just interesting what you're saying. I was just kind of uh, just chuckling to myself a little bit while you were saying that, you know, they made this ruling where they're like, hey, you know, if you want to do business with us, you want to be contractors. You can't hate people. <laughs> you can't hate <laughs> I'm just thinking to, to the other side where the people who support BDS, they're just like, oh, oh, man, we wanted to. You wanted to hate people. <laughs> so they've lost their opportunity. But, yeah, it's very important, guys, because we saw this with, like, Ben and Jerry's, for example, last year, where they're saying, hey, you know, boycott, you know, that ice cream from Israel and whatnot. And it's just anti-Semitic. And we're seeing that ramp up in these last days. Yeah. And, and Ben and Jerry's last week required every employee to watch films that were full of anti-Semitism. You know, calling Jews greedy individuals. I mean, this is stuff, this is, like if Ben and Jerry's had swastikas on their ice cream, I would have believed it. Oh yeah, yeah. It's, this it's, is a very Nazi group, Ben and Jerry's is. Very Nazi. If you're, it's time to dump your chunky monkey, seriously. <laughs> it's time, guys. But yeah, it's just what we're seeing uh, with, the, with the times we're living in. Another article here, uh, going back to Abraham Accords, the Jerusalem Post. Abraham Accords, Israel carves new influence for regional peace. Uh, again, going back to what we said concerning Israel and Saudi Arabia. Israel and Saudi Arabia can be moving towards closer ties as the two-year anniversary of the Abraham Accords approaches. This is an important development because it shows the legacy and fruit of the Accords are continuing to grow. And this is why we continue to talk about the Abraham Accords here because we, we keep saying that, guys, just because Trump's out of office, just because maybe... Um, there aren't any new deals or new nations coming onto these accords. It doesn't mean nothing is happening. It doesn't mean that people still aren't trying to expand it because a lot of people are still trying to expand it. They're still saying that, hey, it's going to lead to a more prosperous and safe uh, Middle East and Israel. And that's what Ezekiel 38 says is going to be uh, in place when this invasion against them um, happens in the future. So it's very important that we still keep our eyes on the Abraham Accords because even when, when even the Biden administration wants this thing 
to be in place and to develop and grow, that, that tells us a lot, right? That they agree with their predecessors' um, efforts on this. So that's important. Another thing, just some, just some headlines here as we wrap up. Uh, in terms of UFOs, Insider, China says its giant sky-eye telescope may have picked up signals from alien civilizations. I mean, again, guys, uh, five years ago, things like this would have been like, we would have laughed off stuff like this. Like, oh, that's total, you know, that's a total crazy article from a conspiracy theory website. But it's China <laughs> putting this stuff out that they believe they've detected a signal from an alien civilization. I mean, seriously? So this is the mindset people are in right now where, where this is just normal news where it's like, oh, yeah, yeah, signal from alien civilization. Yeah, sure. Um, but it, again, it's just desensitizing people to it to get people ready for what we believe will be a false disclosure while they use it. Um, to, you know, lie away the rapture, essentially. Um, some news in weather, a lot of stuff going on. Weather Channel expert says Yellowstone flooding is a sign of things to come. So they believe that there's going to be more flooding Yellowstone. It's going to lead to some crazier things happening. A science alert, the collapse of Atlantic Ocean current would ripple across the world. So just crazy stuff. Uh, insider, heat wave threatens 100 million people in the U.S., closing schools and killing cattle. It may last another week. So that, I... Last week, you talked about the cattle thing. I forgot what um, state that was in. Where Kansas. Was Kansas. Kansas. Supposedly kill all these cattle. I remember the first time I heard that news. I'm just like, what? And a lot of the, or at least some of the comments I've been hearing about it, basically the same thing, where people are just like, there's always been heat waves in Kansas. Like, right. how is this killing cattle? So, yeah. So, I think it's just another part of this supply chain um, I guess unfolding the supply chain story that we're seeing, right? They want to take away meat and suddenly, oh, you know, while we're having these supply chain issues, coincidentally, all these cattle suddenly died of a heat wave. So, right. Yeah. So. And, and, and by the way, it, it, this was such a, a farce story. It had nothing to do with heat. And I want everyone to understand that. Mm. Um, but it is, this was, this was meticulously orchestrated and uh, to devastate farmers in the area. Interesting enough, within the week, you know who started buying up farmland in Kansas? Bill, Bill Gates. Gates. What a coincidence. What a coincidence. Bill Gates. Yep. Yeah. He's on it again. Coincidence. I mean, the coincidence of this guy's dumb luck is amazing. It just keeps stacking up. Yeah. And yeah. so, I mean, you guys need to pay attention to that. It's, 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 it's more to rise up the price of food and to force us onto genetic alterated food so that we can be sicker and sicker and sicker and eliminate whole segments of the population. It's about population control. And that's what it is. It's to, to drive out one population and raise up another part of the population. So keep that in mind as, as we're getting into these, these last day comments. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. Uh, another article here as we wrap up, um, Al Jazeera. Smash the smithereens, China threatens all out war over Taiwan. So we still know um, there's that Taiwan situation going. Um, what happened with this article is that they said that, hey, if, if Taiwan even dares to even think about declaring independence, they're just going to go for it. They're just going to invade without any thoughts. And they said that if anybody tries to intercede, we're going to smash the smithereens, right? So that's the rhetoric of, of China right now concerning Taiwan. Um, obviously, we haven't seen them invade Taiwan I might even dare to say yet, uh, we don't want it to happen, but everything's kind of points to the fact that it's likely going to happen sometime in the future. Um, so yeah, yeah. And, and, and by the way, China's learning from the mistakes of Russia, all right? 
they're, they thought they were going to go in a lot earlier, but they're looking at Russia going, uh, we can't last four months mm. in Taiwan. And, and let's, let me say this very clearly. The Taiwan military is way better than the Ukrainian military. So they do joint operations with Navy SEALs a lot. And from what I've heard from Navy SEALs, the Taiwanese version of the Navy SEALs, they're pretty darn good. Like, wow. yeah, I, I've heard Navy SEALs go, if I, had, if I had my choice, I wouldn't want to go up against the Taiwanese. Wow, that's pretty good. So they're, they're very good. They're very well trained. Uh, they're very knowledgeable. And you know, the other thing is they're passionate about their country. They're mm -hmm. passionate. They are. So these these guys are well trained um and believe me there's going to be guerrilla operations that the chinese are not going to want to face oh yeah so yeah. they're building up for a bigger event because they realize wait a moment russia didn't think this through all the way it was supposed to be over in eight weeks remember that eight weeks that's what they're saying yeah eight weeks it's going to be over in eight weeks well it's five months later <laughs> yeah they're still going almost it's pretty crazy yeah and, and granted, the Ukrainians are suffering some big losses right now, but it, it's, but this is all part of God's orchestrated plan, um, and Satan's. I have to say, it's part of the chess move that's going on between God and Satan right now. Yeah, yeah, but God ultimately has the victory, so that's that's you know that's something to end up on, and that's something that we try to encourage you guys on is we're as we're seeing all these things happen, right? We know that ultimately everything happening does not you know, miss God's purview. It's not that God's, you know, looking down upon the earth and like, oh my gosh, how did this happen? It's all going according to plan. We sometimes reference Psalm 2, right? Why did the nations rage and plot a vain thing? What's God doing when all this stuff is happening while the nations are trying to set up their world government and trying to set up this mark the beast system and do these lockdowns and things like this? God is laughing, right? He's laughing in heaven. So we have to, we have to remember that God is still on the throne None of this stuff escapes his view. All of this is working according to his grand plan, his grand purposes. So that's something we should hold on to uh, very tightly in these days. Amen. Hey, by the way, for those of you who don't know, I read the end of the Bible, and God wins. In the God last wins. verse, uh, one of the last verses in the book of Revelation, chapter 22, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. Yeah. Meaning, it's all over. God's won. Jesus is the victor. And you, if you don't have your faith in Christ Jesus, then you're going to be on the losing end. Yeah. We don't want you to be on the losing end. And that's the exhortation. Um, a verse, the passage I reference often is uh, Revelation 19.10, right? Because we just went through Bible prophecy, went through all these current events. But ultimately, it's meant to point us to, to Christ. And if you, haven't, if you haven't believed on Jesus Christ, you know, um, uh, Tony work on the cross we encourage you to do that today um, that's the main point of what we're doing here Revelation 19.10 says and I fell at his feet to worship him but he said to me see that you not do that I'm your fellow servant of your brethren who have the testimony of Jesus worship God for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy so ultimately prophecy should be pointed to Jesus Christ should be pointed to the gospel and that's what we're doing here and for the believers here who have already trusted in Christ it should be pointing us to these promises right you should remind us that hey just like Brother Stephen said, we've, we've read the end of the book. Jesus wins, and we win with him. We're victorious with him, right? So we shouldn't be afraid of these things. We know he's promised us he's going to come back, and we're going to be celebrating heaven with uh, loved ones who have gone before us. We're going to be coming back to the earth after tribulation, reigning with them. There's still eternity after. 
and it's just going to be pure joy and pure bliss. Um, but Titus 2.13, another great verse, says, looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. That's what we, that's what we bring this news to you guys, not to make you scared or anything, but to remind you guys that there's this blessed hope that we are to look forward to. It's supposed to encourage us, and it's supposed to also sanctify us, cause us to live holier lives, and also, you know, point people to the gospel, point people to the cross. So, yeah. Amen. Amen. Hey, thanks for joining us. Um, you're going to be back tomorrow night, right, Io? Yep, tomorrow. Okay. We're just going to discuss another topic in apologetics. I'm wrestling through a few topics, but we'll, we'll finalize something tomorrow for you guys. Awesome. Awesome. Well, that's it for tonight, and God bless you all. And remember, you can listen to the replay of this broadcast here on Instagram or on the podcast forum on all the major podcast platforms. Sounds good. Have a good night, everyone. Good night, everyone.